right, so here's where we're at. It's 6.24 p.m. Uh, it has been one calendar hour and nine minutes since uh, uh, we were supposed to have our first guest in history of brunch. And it's a biggie. And it's it's comically big for the Jamokes that, that we are. Yes, this production that we're running over here. So basically, I mean, if this ever sees the light of day, they're going to know what it's about anyway. So we'll say who it is. It was uh, it's Chris Dementopoulos. Uh, actor from a million things, but he's he plays Russ Hanneman in Silicon Valley, who's a great character. I'm just going to say it. This guy fucks. Am I right? Because I'm looking at the rest of you guys. This is the guy in the house doing all the fucking. Am I right? You know I'm right. This guy fucks. <laughs> Thank you. And right now, the bind we're in is that he was supposed to call us now an hour and ten minutes ago. We saw that he signed up for Twitter today. And we're deciding how to go about this because the fact that he agreed to come on with us says such a reach says right the fact that he agreed to come up uh, come on with us is shows that he's a nicer guy than he should be, but the fact that he's not on with us right now provides us an opportunity to have some fun. He signed up for Twitter today, and and a little bit of context is, is in the planning of getting him on the show. We had to go through what like three, four, He's got, five people he has a that team. handle him. He has a team. Yes. And so we've sent two emails in the past hour and have gotten no responses from any of the handful of people that have been responding and dealing and setting this up for and, us. And, and bless his team, they've generally been pretty prompt. Yeah. So well, I don't I mean, blame you, you, Pete, a team for... of five people, yeah. one of them better respond <laughs> One of them quickly. has to. I don't blame you, Pete, for, for... It seems like you're suspicious that something is afoot. I, I am. I am. I think so too. And so he signed up for Twitter today, and he's tweeted in the past hour. Yes. Well, he's has he tweeted in the past hour? I know he's retweeted. He, he retweet, he's monitored Twitter. So yeah. we sent him something that said like it was lame. It was like you ready to brunch, and it tagged both of us in it. So, but we're deciding is he cool enough that if we start having fun with this, like we're not mad at at, at him no. or anything. We're but we think this can be a fun thing where we could involve him on Twitter and harass him a bit. But yeah, there are a lot of a lot of options that we could go with that would be pretty funny. But we've probably workshopped about fifteen. <laughs> yeah, seriously, we have a SWAT board here, Silicon <laughs> Valley reference. We have a yeah. SWAT board on the wall of the uh, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats of you know going at him on Twitter in a jokingly ma- in a jokingly manner. Um, but. We're, we also don't want to burn that bridge because... That would suck. Because we are very excited to have him on the show. Let's let's read this swap board. Uh, strengths of if we were to razz him a bit. And by razz him, I mean... So something that was kicked around was... Uh, Pete's got a lot of good gifts of his character, Russ Hanneman, <laughs> ready to go. One of which is him screaming, fuck you, out of his <laughs> car and driving <laughs> away. And uh, there's something of a strength there. Like, even if we decide to make an enemy out of actor Christy Mentopoulos, that would be funny in its own right. Yeah. We don't really lose anything. We weren't friends with the guy to begin with. No. And we don't need him. Well, the thing is, if if he decides to come on, which he promised that he would come on. Yeah. Which again, even, bless even if, his heart. Yeah, it, even if we piss him off, that's gonna be that's gonna be a good listen. That's gonna be like a DNC appearance. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be yeah. a like people are on and they know that they're coming to blows. And I mean, he wouldn't be the first celebrity to hate my guts. He would not be the first celebrity <laughs> to hate your guts. He would not be the first person to hate my guts. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Uh, um, higher profile people tend to hate you. 
Yes. Because I... Ha! Speak of the devil. Christy Mentopoulos. Just hit me up. What Let's do this. Let's do it then. Oh, man. This is, this is going to be the best intro for the, for the interview. We're, we're leaving this in the podcast. Yes. We might as well. Yes. We should talk to him about it too. We should. Yes. <laughs> I guess right after we ask him about Billy Joel. Yes, of course. Okay. So, so the we're going to get into gonna hear yes. is me putting him up on game that he has the same birthday as Billy Joel. Okay. Yes. All right. We're getting to the interview now. We, we hope. A few moments later. All right. So. Quick little detour, apparently. Uh, it's now 6.38, and so we, we received a message from Chris Dimentopoulos saying, let's do this. This is going to be, that's going to be the most confusing part of this upcoming story. Shortly after that, we got a call from one of his people who, again, salt of the earth. They could not be nicer or, or more helpful, and she said that Chris is in the middle of a uh, of a recording voice session. recording session because one of the things we're going to get to with Chris is he's got some pipes on him and people might not know about it but with our casual digging on him we found that we had our we had uh, an intuition when they said you know he, he can do he's can record from his home studio right and so we were like wow that's perfect I wonder why he has a home studio and must do voice recordings and what do you know? You've probably heard him on some some stuff before. We could say maybe he has a home studio because he does podcasts, but we've obviously we've clearly <laughs> learned that he does not do podcasts. <laughs> he says he's going to do them. No. Um, yeah, this is hilarious. Um, sh- should we get back? We're, we're giving you. We're opening up the curtain here to see what we're going through to get to get this great man on the podcast. What did he mean by let's do this? I don't know. <laughs> so fuck? like could he have meant? <laughs> he he like he sent you let's do this as he walked into the recording studio for the next 3 hours. Right. We're legitimately not angry at no. him. We're we we're can't, just confused. We can't be angry. We're so happy to yes. have him. Um I hope that doesn't sound like backpedaling or anything, but yeah, like we're genuinely very happy to have him. But we also we'd be remiss if we didn't take this opportunity yeah. to fuck around a bit. Yeah. For so, sure. What should I mean? We've kicked around. My wife left me. That would be a great thing to tweet at him right now. Yes, uh, my wife left me. Um, I I don't know that I don't I don't know if we, it would I don't know if we could beat the gif of just fuck you and <laughs> he drives amazing. away because the like the gif is so good that yeah that it, it'll make it'll make it should make anybody laugh and it should make him laugh and it should be pretty clear that we're joking yeah um but. Would he then? Would he then drop it with us though? If if he were to take it the wrong way, because we could always circle back to him. I have it on good authority. His people get back to you. Yes. So we could always, we could always drop the fuck you gift, <laughs> and then. But the thing is, we're. It, I feel like I'm in a time capsule. Every time we do shit on Twitter, we're do we. We're not the type that just respond to people. We're the type that put the period before because we we yes. We're into grand gestures yes. on Twitter. You uh, if everybody can't see him, might as well no not point, do him. There's no fucking point in doing it. This is Twitter is for attention. Um, so that's the question. I mean, should we loop? This is like a besi- behind the scenes look at you know possibly like a Twitter beef in the making. Yes. you're weighing the options being like is this worth it uh but i mean like i don't know it, so just, thing, it just it depends on how he interprets it so here's the thing at this point it's out there we're going to send him we're going to send him the fuck you gift so if when he gets it and when he sees it he decides oh these guys were just a bunch of assholes the whole time i don't want to go on with them we'll be able to present him with proof that 
that we were we were we were doing it in good good fun. Yes, we we want to do it in good fun because, and we're probably getting ahead of ourselves. I love the idea of having a bit of a rivalry with with this guy mm-hmm. because we've established. I don't know if we recorded this in the first part, but we think that he does an incredible job as Russ. Like we've yeah. seen douchebag characters before. This guy takes Jean Ralphio and flushes him down the toilet. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just the greatest douchebag character ever. And again, from what we've seen him in other things, he seems like a good guy. So I we're mean, going to roll the dice. We're going to. We're rolling the dice on the fuck you gift. <laughs> you should definitely be the one that sends it, by the way. I'm not going to be the one that sends it. You're the. Uh, I'm the fall guy. You're not the fall guy, but you're the. You're kind of the enforcer, I guess. Yes. You, I would, uh, even though my my body frame is not that of an enforcer. I'm like five and a half feet tall. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I'm going to send out a call to the to the people. So I'm tweeting, true life. You know, that, like true li- the show? Yes. So true life. Pete Blackburn and I are not mad at the famous person who is slightly late for our podcast. And again, this is being, we're being intentionally soft on this guy. He is super late. Uh, slightly late for our podcast. And we don't know how to handle it. I think the bet. I think, I think, I think we nailed it. So you can send that, and it's like a soft little like good layup. cop, bad cop. Yeah, and I'll reply to that and be like, I'm super pissed, and then I'll add the gif. Yes. Are you gonna tag him in it? Yes, of course. So he'll see. Yes. Yes. All uh, right. This is the way to go. I think. At this time, should I also? Uh, it has been sent. Oh God. <laughs> 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 I think I nailed it. <laughs> I really hope he takes this the right way. Same. <laughs> but the other option is is interesting it's equal, as well. It's equally as appealing, yeah. to be honest with you. We can't go wrong here. <laughs> so the the final package was, speak for yourself, DJ Bean. My SWAT board says classic Christie no longer fucks with... <laughs> Attached gif of of <laughs> Russ Hanneman saying "fuck you" and driving away. <laughs> yeah, this is the funniest thing I've seen in my life. One eternity later, it is now Friday. Um, Getting down, and we still had not interviewed Chris D until what half an hour ago? We got him on the phone finally. Yeah, about half an hour ago, and man, we had high hopes. I think they were, those hopes were met. They were. So for all this lead up and all this confusion leading up to the interview, it was totally worth it in my mind. So when we uh, got him on the phone, we obviously brought up the fact that we spent so long going at him or deciding how to go at him on Twitter. Mm. And uh, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but it, was, uh, it went well. It I think well. it did. I think it did. So let's uh, let's get into that interview. Finally, uh, it took us long enough, but here is our interview with Chris Diamantopoulos. The, the, you know, it's it's all all good, and I I uh, I took a quick gander at uh, at what you guys do. It looks like a lot of fun, and I'm happy to uh, happy to jump on board. Awesome, awesome. cool. So uh, get right into it. All right, huh? let's start. Do you know that you have the same birthday as Billy Joel? I did. I think I did know that. I saw that in like a, a New York Times crossword puzzle thing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That it's it said like singer with the same birthday as Chris Dimentopoulos was the hint. <laughs> <laughs> I 
No, it was Billy Joel has the same birthday as unpronounceable named actor. <laughs> In our research, and that's how we found out that you have the same birthday as Billy Joel, that the, the pronunciation of the name was a biggie. We realized that last. We were like, we should know how to say his name. Yeah, it's, you know, it's phonetically sound, um, so there aren't really any, like, hidden letters or anything. You know, it's not, it's not like what it must have been like for Schwarzenegger when he first got here. Mm. It's Diamantopoulos. You know, it's just daunting ah. because it's long and hard. So it is, it, it's, it's not demon, it's like diamond, so it's like Hyam. Yeah, there you go. It's, what it really means is the son of the diamond merchant. Any, any Greek last name that has the opulos on the end of it means the son of. So Diamandopoulos means the son of the diamond merchant. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Uh, speaking of son of, so you play a real son of a bitch on <laughs> Silicon Valley, and when we decided to to like to put on the full court press and try to get you to come on the podcast, we were like, we only hope that he's at least like two percent like Russ Hanneman, because we were afraid that like if you're going to be like British or something and like super serious or whatever, uh, that'd be no fun. And you got on Twitter, I think, a few days before. Uh, the original time we were supposed to record this, and basically all of your Twitter is just Russ Hannemanisms, which is fantastic. <laughs> well, um, I, by what, whatever do you mean? I mean, I have absolutely no idea. No, no. Uh, when I was on yeah. 24 with Kiefer, he told me. That's, that's right. Kiefer and I had a very similar work ethic. <laughs> Um, no, no, I, yes, I did very recently, I got a gig and they, uh, you know, I sort of avoided the social media, uh, uh, world, not for any other reason other than I, I'm kind of a caveman with regard to that stuff. And I just wasn't, uh, I didn't think that I really had any value to add in that world, but I recently got a gig that formally requested that I take part in the 21st century. And, uh, and so jumping on board, it, it became pretty clear at least in the early parts of it that russ hanneman i guess permeated some level of some strata of of the underworld society and 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 people found him engaging and so it was my pleasure to you know to put out the hannemanisms why the hell not so when we were uh when we were kind of in the dark uh before we got uh, a response from your people and and you we were kind of wondering how we should engage you on uh, on twitter and it uh we discussed it for a little while and uh, eventually, I, did you you did end up seeing the uh, the response that I had, right? The GIF that I sent of the wait. Uh, yes, yes, I yes. absolutely did. Yes. Yeah, we were wondering I, I, like how to approach that because we didn't want to piss you off, but we kind of wanted to <laughs> to respond in a joking manner. How did you uh, How did you receive that? I received it quite well. Look, you have to understand that since the show started airing, you know, I walked through the airport the other day and. 25 fraternity guys oh, on a on a megaphone loudspeaker yelled at me while I walked with my two small children. They yelled, <laughs> "Hey everybody, that guy fucks." <laughs> yes. Oh, and, that is awesome. And, and you know, it was a it was a, a moment of you know real self disdain, but also <laughs> pride. Because, you know, there's nothing like proliferating the worst man in the world, you know, and really making that something to aspire to. So, you know, my small part. How did you even cultivate that? Because, I mean, I mean I'm sure the, the character was written, but they needed to see someone who they felt this guy has it in him 
to to, to <laughs> you just, asshole. No, I like, know. Like, I didn't even mean it like that. But like, I mean, your first scene. We we went back and we watched your your Silicon Valley scenes. Your first scene. You're wearing a shirt with three different patterns and a banker's <laughs> collar, and like, and you you kind of pull it off. Like, how how did you get yourself okay. to access so, that? So 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 first of all, as you guys well know, and and everyone should know, uh, television and film is a collaborative medium, and mm. and it's like if one piece of the puzzle doesn't come into play, then you end up with something banal. And, and that doesn't sort of make a mark. And the things that do stand out and have people talking about them are the things where, are the projects where everybody involved in every capacity in every department is, is doing their job the way that it should be done. And Silicon Valley is no exception to that. Um, it starts, of course, with the writing. And Alec Berg and Mike Judge are second to none with regard to sardonic, <laughs> clever, subversive comedy writing. These guys are just, they manage to take a topic as mundane as Silicon Valley and the tech world and not only make it interesting and fascinating, but also humorous and funny. And, and, and so these guys are just, they're master craftsmen of humor. Um, then, of course, it doesn't hurt that they hired, you know, guys as brilliant as TJ and Thomas, who are great writers of comedy in and of their own uh, like you know what I mean? They mm. they know they know what's funny, and so the other smart thing that Mike and Alec do is they listen to to their to their lead cast, and if they improvise something, which they often did, TJ and Tom and all the guys, Martin, everyone was was adding something to it. Um, but then, of course, you know when when Russ was written, he's just sort of on paper; he's two dimensional, and the tone is really the variable. That that's missing, you know, it can all be written on the page, but but the tone, how how the actor is going to do it, and, and and ultimately how it's going to play against the rest of the guys. Did I see a McLaren 650S with the extra trim package pull into the driveway, or did I not? <laughs> yep. So that's the variable, and Jeannie McCarthy is the casting director, and I went in to see her for this. I was really excited about it because I was a huge fan of the show, and I read on it, and. They had sent me like a bunch of material to read on, and uh, they'd sent me the wrong material. So when I got there, I'd worked on it for a couple of days to really sort of get it in my bones. And I, I didn't have the right material. And so, you know, they said, oh, shoot, sorry. Can you do the new material? It's like another like 14 or 15 pages. And I was, I didn't give a great read because I had, it was a cold read. You know, I didn't really have a chance to think about it. And it looked like it wasn't going to go my way. And I felt so terrible about it because I knew I could really. I knew I could have fun playing the role, so I called the casting director, really broke protocol, and called the casting director after hours and asked to go back in and just make a tape of me doing it the way I thought it should be done now that I'd had an opportunity to absorb the material. And I did, and I got the job. And then, um, you know, a big portion of what makes Russ Russ is, like you said, what he wears. And the wardrobe department was just so... Uh, fearless in the way that they dressed me. And look, we all know these guys. They've got money, and they spend it on 100% the wrong thing. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? Like, literally just the wrong... Like, Russ's jeans, shirt, and shoes combined were probably over $7,000. <laughs> the wrong thing. Like, you just couldn't buy a worse shirt, jeans, and <laughs> right. shoes combo ever. 
Um, and, and the hair and makeup department did a great job, you know, really giving me that sort of prototypical, hey, I'm a guy of the now look. So, yeah, it was it was easy to jump into those shoes because they were so damn cheesy. Even talking to you now, like your voice is different, too, though. Like you had to yeah. you, you, you put on some it sounds like a normal person speaking voice. But what what is the voice that you put on to, to kind of well, do Russ? I mean, look, without without going into the Alec Guinness world of acting, um, <laughs> because you see, I am a, a serious thespian. Uh, no, truthfully, every role I ever do, I I'm a real auditory learner, and and uh, every uh, any role that I'm going to play, I feel like he's got to have a specific voice. The character has to sound like something, and I prefer that they don't sound like me because I sound like me, and I didn't get into the acting business to play myself. I know a lot of actors have made stellar and tremendous careers playing themselves or exaggerated versions of themselves, and I take my hat off to them. I just I find other people far more fascinating, and living in L.A., I'm around douchebags 24-7. So I'm able to absorb what that is, and for Russ, he needed a voice. Uh, and I played around with a lot of different ideas, but I didn't want it to be caricature in any way. And, uh, you know, I really also looked at the show, and the guys on the show are all very real and rooted in reality. I mean, even Ehrlich who's sort of at the top end of broad, he's, a, he's, he's very, very real. And TJ plays him very grounded. And I thought, you know, given the massive crater left by the passing of, of Christopher Welsh, who was just mm. absolutely brilliant uh, in the first season, I wanted to do something that was a polar opposite to that. I didn't want to touch the, the beauty of what he did with his character. I didn't want anything subtle for us. And these guys exist. And so, you know, I kind of just gave him a little bit more of a, you know, it's a fucking douchebag voice. You know what I'm saying? Fuck you. <laughs> did you, uh, going through the reads and stuff, did you have uh, a favorite scene or a favorite line uh, that you delivered? I, I mean, look, my favorite, there are a lot of favorite bits, but I loved my freak out scene on Richard in the parking lot. Um, so perfect. That was the gift that, that, that yeah, I sent you. The gift that you got sent, that, yeah. That was it. That was it. That's why I loved it. I just loved it. You know, again, it wasn't, that was a nice confluence of the script intimating at what they thought I might do. And then on the day, me just going to town on that poor Maserati, which by the way, every time I slammed the door, something else fell off in that car. That's um, not a great endorsement for Maserati. Yeah, right. No, no, no. It was, it was, a, it was an older car. It had been very, very used. So sorry about that. But yes. Well, that's the that best part. Happen. That, that you're doing that in a Maserati, that like this person, the lowest point they've reached in their life is that the, the <laughs> poor bastard has to drive a Maserati and he loops back around to be like, look at me in all of my pain. I'm in a Maserati. I, I love I that they let me do that, first of all, that they let me drive the car around. <laughs> they did it in real time. They just cut to Thomas, but they let me go around that, that roundabout and I gunned it, and, and the poor guy that loaned us the car was like, look, the car's really on its last legs. Really be gentle with it. I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And then, you know, I slammed the door and gunned it. These are not the doors of a billionaire, Richard. Fuck you! Fuck you in the ass. And I just love that they kept it. I remember on the day Thomas thought that it wouldn't make it into the cut. Just because, you know... How interesting can it possibly be to watch him watch Russ loop around the roundabout only to come back and 
just further insult him. But to their credit, they did it. Uh, do uh, did Russ at any point like I don't want to say stop getting funny, but I mean every scene that Russ is in, he's more and more ridiculous. So w- was there any point at which you guys felt that you could get through things in like one clean take? We really did laugh a lot. I have to say I, I was the worst for it because I'm I, I came in as a fan of the show, and I was quite just in awe watching these guys work on set. So it was really this weird sort of fly-on-the-wall experience for me where I forgot that I was actually there to work, and I was just watching these guys banter. Um, so, there, you know, there was a lot of breaking up, although I have to say the guys were very good at not laughing. Um, I think everything they wrote for Russ was so damn funny, but what made it what made it work, and I think what made it funny, is that it was deathly serious to Russ. Everything Russ said was so fucking important to him and so like like weighted in reality and truth and that's i think what really i think that's what drives it home russ nothing about russ is a joke even when he's joking are you a method actor at all like did you find yourself during the tape and like going to like the supermarket Being racist and just to the other char- to the yeah. other actors yeah. like- um, no, thankfully I'm not. Um, but I do have to say there's something really beautiful about the carte blanche that seems to be inadvertently given to someone playing an asshole because, you know, a lot of the crew guys, a lot of people that I didn't necessarily speak with very often, all they got to know of me was this brash son of a bitch that would show up on set. So it's kind of neat. It was kind of neat just being in that persona a little bit, but, uh, no, I, I didn't, I didn't bring it home. Or, I mean, just, I know that you said that uh, tossing the Silicon Valley stuff out there gets such a good reaction on Twitter, but I mean, it's clear that you're just incredibly proud of this character. You've played serious people before. You actually, so technically, you played a bigger douchebag on 24 than Russ because <laughs> that douchebag got somebody killed. But like, is of of all the characters you you've played, do you think that to this point, this is like the one that more? More often than not, that's the one where in the airport people are going to be screaming, this guy fucks, versus, like, this guy was great in the Three Stooges or something. (laughs) Look, I I mean, I'm a working actor, right? I've been been acting for 30 years. I started as a kid doing commercials and theater, and and then I, I moved to New York City, and I started working on Broadway, and I worked on stage for over 10 years. And then I came out to L.A. because I've always loved television and film, and I've been plugging away ever since, and I, and I hope to be working until my last breath. I really, really do love entertaining. I love performing. I love storytelling. I love strong narrative. It's, it's a great thing for me to do. So it's always um, surprising what people gravitate toward and what I may be recognized from. And I guess, yes, Silicon Valley is in the zeitgeist, and, and Russ Hanneman is certainly in the center of that from the last season. But there have been... There have been, you know, a, a number of things that I would rant. Like, you know, uh, this morning I was I was walking my kids to school and someone stopped me and 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 cited the character that, that I played on The Sopranos. They were like, oh, my God, you were Barone. Polly Walnuts broke your fucking knees. <laughs> and I, I was just such a random. I was like, dude, you got to get out more, man. Like, how are you that you're calling that? But it was it was, you know. It was it was uh, it was a, a nice moment for him, and I was happy to oblige. I think that Russ I, Russ was a um, a confluence and culmination of so many of the elements of a character that are fun to play because he's broad but real, and all of his um, 
his his aggressive behavior and his off-putting demeanor all comes from a a true place and i've met people like this so it was a lot of fun doing something like that on a show that's so well written but there have been you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but I voiced Mickey Mouse for the new Disney I cartoons. was I was going to, to ask that because I saw things from that and I was trying to piece it together. You clearly, you, you've got pipes on you. I mean, we discussed that you can do different voices and things like that. But is so you're like a also like a voice actor or, or is that the term? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm if I can add value to a project, I'll do I'll do whatever it takes. So, you know, whether it's voice or on camera or on stage or whatever it is. I have to say Mickey has been one of the most gratifying things I've ever done. I mean, just from a single standpoint that there have been five men in history to voice Mickey and the first of them being Walt Disney himself. Yeah. Um, you know, there's something really special about carrying on that, that legacy. Um, and the shorts are, if you guys haven't seen them, Yes, of course, as all Mickey Mouse, they're geared toward children, but they're written with the understanding that adults are watching them with children, and they're mm. absolutely brilliant. First of all, beautifully drawn, and second of all, they've managed to incorporate a multicultural feel, so each of the shorts has a different theme that may or may not tie into a different part of the world, so much so that my Mickey is even done in various languages. I've had to learn different languages and different phrases, and everything from Hindi to uh, Italian, French, Japanese... Uh, Mandarin, I mean, we've done Mickey in all of these different voices, and they're so clever, and some of them pretty damn subversive and adult. Um, But yeah, the the question was, which role, you know, am I most sort of proud of? I'm proud of all of them, but recently Mickey has made me feel very, very grateful that that I've been doing him. Uh, You might burst into flames for for doing this, but I, I must ask now, what would Mickey say if he were to meet Jared Dunn for the first time? Oh boy, are you in trouble? <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Uh, so w- while we were going back, uh uh we noticed that you played Robin Williams in uh the Mork and Mindy uh what was it the unauthorized story of Mork and Mindy? Uh Yeah, that was that was uh well, let me let you finish what you were going to ask. I kind of want to let you finish yeah, where you were going. Same here. Well, so it needs to be said just from the get-go, from the very mention of Mr. Williams' name, that you know, there, his passing was for me and for many millions of people a massive tragedy, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I feel like I, I miss him personally, even though I, I never met him, but I was so greatly moved and influenced by his work um not only his on-camera stuff but by his charitable work and just by who he was and it absolutely tore my heart out when he passed um the movie uh which was done 10 years ago um nbc had a sort of franchise of these types of movies they were a behind the scenes look at um you know various TV shows, Three's Company, Charlie's Angels, and they did Mork and Mindy. My manager called me at the time, and I was just starting to get my feet wet in television. And he said, do you have any desire in trying to imitate Robin Williams? I said, I don't think anyone should do that. That sounds like a bad idea. Um, and I went home, and my wife asked me. I, 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 I went home, and I said, I got a stupid phone call from my manager about some some Robin Williams impersonation. She said, you should do that. I said, what do you mean I should do that? I don't, I don't look anything like him. I don't sound anything like him. And this sounds like it's going to be a schlocky piece of shit. And she said, well, who can you see doing it? 
And she's done that to me times. She did it with Mo. She said, you know, who, can, who else can you see doing it? And when she, when she sort of threw the gauntlet down, I didn't have a long list of people that I thought would do it justice. And I started thinking about it. She said it could be fun. So, again, like anything, I started watching some old clips of Williams, particularly interview clips. And I found that there was some very trackable idiosyncratic behavior with regard to the way that he himself and the way that he moved his lips and held his shoulders and his body and the way that he breathed and blinked and smiled. And I started trying to imitate it a little bit. And then it slowly got in my body. And I thought, well, I'll try my hand at it. I looked at the script. The script was not what I hoped it would be. And one of the main issues with the script was that they used a lot of impressions and copywritten Williams material. So when I ultimately got the job, um, I asked the producers if I could sit down with the writer and rewrite it, uh, and particularly rewriting the, the, the shtick, mm. the Williams shtick. To, and, and so what we ended up doing was impressions that you think you've seen Robin Williams do, but that you've never seen him do. Huh. Gotcha. That was, um, that was what my question was going to be, is like he's such a unique person and unique actor that how, how difficult and daunting must that have been to try to... It was, I mean, an, you it was an incredible too. honor. You did Thanks, kill it, man. I mean, the, look. the scene where you where you're uh, meeting with uh, the people about Happy Days, that like, yeah. holy shit, that's like what is that like six minutes of nonstop Robin Williams? Yeah. Find your Earth waste confusing. The cats know to call it World War One. Do you have the next war planned already? Who've we got, old chap? The Germans. I say, didn't we use them last time? Yes, it's perfect. Huh? They can lose again. What? <laughs> we know these things because we get your TV signals. Scotty, please, the bridge is smashed. Computers are down. We need more time. That's one giant step. To the moon, Alice! Hi-ho, it's not easy being green cheese. Ha-ha-ha-ha! <laughs> Lucy, then you cut the cheese right here on our very own stage, the lovely... I understand your name is Pushy Galore. Normally I'm a dogman, but I find myself strangely attracted. Uh, the, 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 that's all, folks. Yeah, and so on the page, on the page that was supposed to have been thir a 30-second thing, and I said, you can't, we can't introduce him this way without giving them what it must have been like and so i that was one that took a few days for me to really sit down and think about what impressions i could do first of all and then what he's not done and string it together in a verbal diarrhea veritable cornucopia of every williamism that we think we know and you know have him walk in oh boy you know nice to see you and just have him sort of go go to town and uh it was Tremendously gratifying to do because, as I said, this came from a standpoint of real veneration of his work and who he was. And it was an opportunity for me as a young actor to pay homage to a hero of mine. You know, a lot of people, without having seen it, will say, oh, my God, I can't believe you did something like that. Or, you know, you made a movie that was unauthorized. Well, you know, these movies were being made. And my thought on it was, why not get in and actually try and do something right? And, and highlight the best aspects uh, of him, and 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 pay him and pay him respect. Awesome. So we know we gotta let you go soon. Uh, so, final question: uh, Where do you see and where do you hope Russ Hanneman goes in the next season of Silicon Valley? Well, I felt like Russ had a pretty. It was a pretty strong goodbye to Russ. Ten minutes after Boy Genius won his lawsuit, your boss lady gave me a call. We just did a deal. She put me back over a B. <clears throat> means a billion. Yeah, got it. I got a lot of cars. Now, I'm not going to, you can't quote me on that because I know that they're in the writer's room right now working on it. But, 
my hope is that unless it's funnier than what we did, that we don't see Russ again. Because wow. I feel like, like, you know, Costanza said it best when he was like, all right, I'm out of here. It's, it's good to leave on a high note, you know. Jerk store is the joke, right? Yeah. It, it, it's, good to, it's good to just get on out while it's still funny. So my hope is that if we do see Russ, um, it's so far beyond anything we would have anticipated um, that it makes us laugh. I just don't want to, and I don't think Mike and Alec would ever risk oversaturating a joke. Well, I, I think that if Russ is done, and that would break my heart, I will say that he'd probably have to go down. It'd be like if Rob Gronkowski's career ended today. You'd have to say that they were the, the best that's ever done it because they never got bad. Like, Jean Ralphio was a great douchebag, and maybe you saw a little too much of him. So if you did go out too early versus too late, then this it'd be like an all-time classic character. It's like the freaks and geeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. The freaks and geeks of, of douchebags, as it were. <laughs> yes, that's right. The upper echelon of douchiness. Yes. Yes. Well, Excellent. this has been an upper echelon conversation. We still can't, we still don't understand why you were willing to do this. So we're extremely grateful that you were, especially because you put my... Skype on the radio, on the internet, yeah. on the internet, on the internet. <laughs> That's right. No, look, it's my pleasure, guys. And to, to be perfectly honest with you, I think despite what uh, a lot of sort of celebrities and actors may inadvertently put out there, it's always nice to have someone recognize that the work that you put into something was something that entertained them and to want to have a meaningful conversation, even about something as silly as, you know, Russ Hanneman and, and a douchey character. I think it's, um, you know, everyone wakes up in the morning hoping that they put their best foot forward and do good work. And uh, when I did what I did on Silicon Valley, there was no exception to that. So the fact that you guys took to it and clearly some other people seem to enjoy it, I'm happy to talk about it. Well, thanks again, Chris. We really appreciate it. Hey.